Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Myself. So what we know about the Thessalonian church, and if there's a, there should be a map there, Mike. So Thessalonica is right up here. Right at the top. That's modern-day Greece. Even though it says Macedonia there, it was a Roman province of Macedonia then. The borders have shifted in the last 2,000 years. But basically, Paul, Silas and Timothy visited Thessalonica uh, as part of Paul's second missionary trip. Thessalonica is a seaport and it's a trade centre for the Macedonia area and over into Asia Minor, which is up here off the map. Um, it, was, it had, at the time, a population of about 200,000 people. So that's four Tamworths. Think of Tamworth four times the size it is now. That's 200,000 people. That's Thessalonica. And it was a place where, because it was a bit of a, a hub for trade, um, it was quite diverse in terms of people groups, in terms of religious practices and pagan practices. Uh, as well. Um, so where it was situated in the Roman Empire at that time, um, it was in, in the Roman Empire, so it was Roman, but very Greek uh, culturally. So it was also a, a city that had a lot of tax freedoms. So read into that, being that there was a lot of shonky financial dealings there. Um, it attracted those kinds of people. And you may pick up when you're reading the epistles, um, sorry, the, the letters in the, in the Bible, that Paul set up churches in port cities. So ports were major uh, thoroughfares. They were areas where a lot of people came and went, which is perfect when you're trying to spread the gospel. People come into your city, you're in public areas, you preach the gospel, they get converted, they take the gospel back to the ends of the earth. So it was quite strategic in Paul's sense, but also God called him to it. And the thing with... um, a lot of these letters in the New Testament, so Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, is that we, we get a cultural and a background context when we read through the book of Acts. So I'm not going to go into Acts today, but Acts 17, for your homework this week, um, is to read that chapter, Acts 17. And we learn in there that um, Paul and Silas were in prison. And you would have heard the story about how they were praising God and praying one night and then the Holy Spirit just ran through that jail, shackles were broken off, locks on doors were busted and all the prisoners escaped. And there's that uh, amazing conversion story of the guard who thought, oh, it's over, I'm going to be killed because I've let, I've let all these pe- prisoners out under my watch. Um, So then Paul and Silas, full of the Holy Spirit after that moment, they go uh, onwards to Thessalonica. And that's where they spend about three or four weeks. So they get there midweek, then then they set up on the Friday to preach in uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath. So they do that three consecutive weekends, we find, um, in Acts 17. What happens then is that an angry mob, they form after there's a lot of conversions. And, uh, and, the, and the mob basically are so threatening and dangerous that Paul and Silas have to flee 
down south to um, Berea, which is I uh, was on the map. Um, you don't need to put it back on, Mike. Um, but that's where it is. So they have a couple of weeks there in Thessalonica. And what's remarkable about this is that only after three weeks, they've preached, they've converted, they've discipled, and this church just comes out of nowhere. And elsewhere in Acts, and in the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians, we later discover that Paul sends Timothy. So Timothy does spend a bit of time as a missionary building the church in Thessalonica. Um, If Thessalonians was a school report card, it would be straight A's. So they are just absolutely kicking goals for God. They just get transformed. Um, what, What part of its success, arguably, from a demographic perspective, is that Paul was able to convert Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, and the scriptures say a lot of prominent women. And I love that. If you want to know about what we believe in the chapel about women in ministry, Absolutely, because prominent women exist and they have good things to say and they are incredible ministers of the gospel and we believe in them. Yes, I got one woo from my wife, a prominent woman. (laughs) Yes, um, you caught that on the podcast, did you, Mike? That's good. Um, She knows that she's a prominent woman and I believe in that. Um, So incredibly, a couple of weeks of Paul being in town, a church is set up. You can't do that, like, without God. You just can't do that. And so that leads Paul to write his first um, letter to the, to the Thessalonian, Thessalonian church. Um, and scholars are pretty agreeable in the sense that 1 Thessalonians was the first letter he ever wrote as part of the Bible. So the first canonical Letter, part of the canon. So anyway, Mike, if you can throw up that infographic, that would be fantastic. Um, We have 1 Thessalonians here. I'm not going to do an overview of 2 Thessalonians. We'll wait for another couple of weeks um, in the interest of saving time. So basically, it's five chapters. And the first is um, Paul saying, hey, you guys are going really well, really, really well, really proud of you. In fact... I'm actually surprised that you're going that well because of all, yeah, it's funny, but it's not a joke um, because there's a lot of um, opposition in Thessalonica. You know, these people have been persecuted. They've just become Christians. They're going back to their families saying, hey, I'm a Christian now. And they're like, no, that's not a good idea. No. Can you see the angry mob that chased Paul and Silas out of town? That is not a good idea. And they're standing firm. They're like, no, no, hang on. I've got conviction. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I've got the joy of the Lord. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm standing firm. So we find that Paul spends, set up, sets up the letter going, you guys are doing a really good job. Keep it up. And then he, and then he cranks it up a notch. It's like... I don't know, like levels in a video game where the first level is really easy, you get involved and then you, uh, you get into the next level and it just becomes a little bit harder and then the next level becomes a little bit harder. Our Christian walk can be like that sometimes and so he kind of lays it out in 1 Thessalonians and then he gets into um, some instruction in the middle 
about living a holy life. So that's kind of the next step. You know, you get converted and then there's sanctification. You're getting better. You're understanding God's laws. You're understanding what holiness is. And you go, you know what? I'm going to make those changes in my life. I'm going to get rid of the idols out of my lounge room. I'm going to change my practices. I'm going to go to church on a Sunday. I'm going to sing praises. I'm going to get rid of my past, whatever that may be, and I'm going to press into Jesus. And then he gets into a comforting hope. Now, a comforting hope um, is basically the day that the Lord comes. So, the second coming of God. So, these guys in Thessalonica were really adamant that God was coming tomorrow, so to speak. Um, and that's a theme in the, the early church across that part of the world anyway. But that's where they were thinking. We've got to be ready for when God comes back. So there was, this, there was this hustle with their faith. They were thinking, all right, we've got to preach, we've got to convert, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do the thing, we've got to build the church, we've got to sanctify ourselves, we've got to get better at this, we've got to reach as many people as possible as far as we can go so that we change as many lives before the Lord comes back. Um, so really grateful for that legacy and that hustle that we find in 1 Thessalonians. 2,000 years later, we're still trying to do the same. Um, so the themes that we find all throughout 1 Thessalonians is the power of the gospel, an encouragement just to keep on keeping on and to purify your life in the coming hope that, um, that Jesus will come, um, which is amazing considering all the persecution that was happening in that time. Um, so in terms of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, so we're concentrating today on chapter 1. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but I want to pull something deep out of it. It's 10 verses, really easy. Um, you could even read it uh, between the, uh, the talks, between myself and Luke. But I want to point out verse 5 and part of verse 6. And it says, Our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so we find that there's a bit of a formula that we can pull out of here in verses 5 and 6 to get uh, an idea of the process and the power of what the Thessalonic Thessalonian church came through. And that's on, uh, on this next slide. Which says, words of the gospel. So the gospel needs to be preached, right? We, we've heard, uh, I think it's St. Francis Assisi uh, say, uh, right, that, you know, in everything that we do, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. So we start there as Christians. We have those actions and then when we have those God moments, those conversation opportunity, conversational opportunities, we go for it. Here's the gospel, mate. Have it. And so we, we use the words of the gospel, but we know that we have to add that with Holy Spirit power. So we're praying for people before we have that conversation. We're praying for that person after we have that conversation. We're praying for them continually. This is a marker of the church. This is a marker of what we do as a church in Tamworth in 2022 and what we should be doing more of. Can I, can I admit that, that I don't do that enough? 
that I don't prepare my conversations, that I'm not intentional enough and that I need to be praying for people in my life that that, that really rich soil in their heart would be ready to receive that seed of the gospel. Yeah? Can I confess that publicly? I'm not doing a great job of that, but I want to do it better. Words of the gospel plus Holy Spirit power. And then you're praying for a deep conviction in that person to actually go, oh, yeah, you know what? I've heard the gospel. I'm feeling something here too. I don't know what this tingling sensation is. I don't know why I'm feeling weak at the knees. It must be the Holy Spirit, what this Christian person is telling me about. And then we get into that, oh, hang on, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need to do something. What I feel, what I know about my humanity matches up with the power of the gospel and the message of the gospel. So I'm starting to put these things together. Oh, I need Jesus. That's the deep conviction. And that's the deep conviction that went through the people in Thessalonica 2,000 years ago where Paul and Silas were in the marketplace and in the synagogue going, guys, you need Jesus. You've got to hear about this. We just got out of prison. We were praying and singing songs and the prison doors just went right open. Like that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this group of believers, Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, prominent women, all went, oh, and they got hit by the words. They got hit by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they got hit by the deep conviction. And so they started telling people. Conviction is what drives people beyond that persecution that they are experiencing. Conviction is what drives Bruce Ether to go and stand in India amongst those people, giving secret little update video messages about fellowship and gospel and testimony so that he can reach people for the love of God. And so that's so one Thessalonians as a book is a really good litmus test. Sorry, I've got a fly buzzing around me. I don't know why. Um, so that's why I'm gesticulating weirdly. What, one Thessalonians is a book, a f- quick five chapters that we can run over our church as a litmus test. How are we going? There's no secret that it's harder now in 2022 in Australia to talk about Jesus and the gospel. We heard from Pastor Bron last week about um, just the diminishing church participation rates where grandparents were all going to church and then our parents were going to Sunday school and then we've worked out of Christendom so much that we've got to opt into scripture now. Most kids haven't heard the gospel in a country that, by the census, has a majority of, uh, of people believing that they're Christians. And we just don't have that. That, that. that seed of the gospel is falling on rocky ground. And so when we read 1 Thessalonians, we're getting a picture of that next step where we step out and go, you know what, let's cop the heat. Let's step out there in faith and sow seeds of gospel. And they were, they were getting killed. They were getting hurt. They were getting persecuted. They were getting disowned by their family and their friends. Um, we've got it easy, but we, we just don't push in to the next bit. And so just want to encourage everyone that particularly at the moment where we've just come out of Vision Sunday, which was awesome, by the way, 
Um, listen to the podcast if you, if you get the chance. We're coming through a time of prayer and fasting where God's moving. God wants to do stuff. God just wants people to be open and ready to receive that conviction that the Holy Spirit can give. And so we, I'm seeing the more I get involved um, in the chapel community, the more I see the outworkings, the hands and feet of faithful believers in this building and in our collective network who are doing good things for God. Bruce Ether in India, Congregation in Gaira, Armadale, Port Macquarie, Gunnedah, everywhere. People who are doing faithful things for God who are wanting to see revival and praying for that. The community that we have can sharpen one another. You want to join a connect group? Do it. You want to join a team? Do it. Because your faith will be expanded. You'll be a more effective Christian. You'll be a more effective person if you step into that next step. And so we, when, we, when we read 1 Thessalonians, we learn that the church can overcome any challenge. Now, we've got a Christian prime minister who's running uh, in heat at the moment. His, his opinion polls are down. Um, it is hard work for him. We've got a church coming out of COVID who is experiencing church collectively. I'm talking about the Australian church who is experiencing a diminishment of numbers. Church can overcome any challenge. If the Thessalonian church can be set up in three weeks and withstand the heat of, of persecution and imprisonment and jail time and, and, uh, and violence, we can do that. And God wants to do that in us. So to, to finish up, I've got two questions for you guys, and we're going to chat around our tables. This is what we do. If you're visiting, we like to take a moment between the two um, talks and just have a bit of a chat. The first one is, how can we strive to be like the early Thessalonian church? Um, and maybe I should have written that as, how can I strive to be like the early Thessalonian Christians? Because the church is just a collective bunch of Christians doing their thing, being faithful. It's between you and God, us and God. The second one is, is it healthy or necessary to put a lot of thought into the coming of Jesus? I, I kind of think that we might get into the second one more than the first one because it's a bit more interesting, maybe even divisive. But I was, I was um, having a coffee with someone uh, on Friday, a church member, and um, I asked them this question, like, do you think it's healthy to be thinking about the end times if it's going to happen tomorrow? Because we, we read about it and the Bible is an eschatological narrative. So from Genesis through to the end of Revelation, it's all about setting humanity up, setting the kingdom of God up for the second coming of Christ. And I asked this person, do you think it's healthy? And they gave a, a pretty um, balanced theological response where Jesus says the day and the hour is unknown, so don't worry about it. Don't try and pick it. Um, you know, everyone that's ever tried to pick the date has got it wrong so far. <laughs> don't try and pick it. Uh, but we, we need to be aware that it could happen tomorrow. It could happen today. It could happen now. It could happen in our lifetime. It could happen in our children's lifetime. Who knows? Anyway, have a think, have a chat, and then in a few minutes, Pastor Luke. Hey, guys. <laughs> Uh, first, can we really thank Andrew? Um, yeah, did a great job. Really good job in setting up Thessalonians for us to go through as a church. So now we're going to 
um, look at moving forward, going forward, applying this scripture to our lives um, and, and how to outwork this in our weeks. So the first thing I want to do, there's two little aspects of, um, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 that I want to look at in detail and pull apart a little bit. And so the first one that I want to look at is three characteristics that Paul praises the Thessalonica church for living out. So as Andrew said, yeah, they, 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 they faced opposition. They were up against opposition and uh, Paul sent Timothy to check on them because he thought that they probably didn't last. And when they did, he's like, what? That's awesome. So then, yeah, it really is him saying, you guys are awesome. And there's three things that he does. There's three aspects, characteristics that he praises in the Thessalonica church as a church that are, uh, have deep convictions and led by the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to look at. If we want to be a church with deep convictions, led by the Holy Spirit, changed by the gospel. So I will look at verses 2 and 3. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So first we're going to look at these three things. Number one, work produced by faith. There's work in our lives that's produced out of our own ambition or uh, that's, that's produced out of our own desire and what we can do and what we can see. But then there's work to get to that's produced by faith in, in what God can do in our lives. It's a work that's produced by faith. A few examples, we have Moses. Moses, as he took uh, God's people out of Egypt and they hit the Red Sea. Now, there's some practical things that Moses could have got. There's some practical work that he could have got to. They could have started building boats. They could have, they could have went, all right, we need to try and get around. There's an army chasers, let's just run. And most of us come in. There's a few practical things that he could have looked at and what they could achieve and got to that work. But what he did, there was work that was produced by faith. Hey, God, I know you can show up. So he puts his staff in the water, the waters part, and they go through. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got to God's work. They knew that God would have their back, and, and, and they stood firm. Could easily have just publicly said, oh, okay, okay, no, and then still kept their faith and believed in God. But no, they got to the work that was produced by faith. God, you're going to look after us. You're going to care for us. And they walked into the fire and were kept safe by God. And one of my favorite ones, David and Goliath. When there's an enemy, an enemy there and a giant ready to take on uh, a whole army and David sees a giant, they could have thought of strategic ways to assassinate the, Goliath, uh, the, the giant in his sleep or yeah, a whole heap of ways that could have been like, oh, we could strategically work this out and there could have been work that was produced by what they could see and what they could do, but no. No, 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 you got to work on the work that was produced by faith in Jesus. You know what, I'm going to go. A little young man's going to go and take on the giant. Work produced by faith that God's going to come through and God's going to uh, have his way and perform a miracle, which of course David does and beats Goliath. And it applies to our lives. I played footy and I played rep footy and rugby league isn't the best atmosphere for a Christian. Um, and yeah, Christian, Christianity or talking about the love of Jesus isn't really most rugby league players' things, although that is changing, which is awesome. But I remember um, I could have just done my thing prayed in, in the corner before games and, and prayed afterwards. But I went, you know what? I'm going to get to work that's produced by faith. God, I'm going to believe that you're going to do something in my footy team. And so I just would ask them to pray. Hey, come here, join me. Pray, get on your knees and pray with me. After the games, I would get the, the other team and say, hey, 
Come over here, come pray with us after the game and get on our knees and pray. And from that, junior rep teams now have chaplains assigned to teams to get us off the field because we would pray too long and disrupt the thing. In our lives, we can get to the work that's produced by faith. We can do things in our own strength or we can believe when we're packing shelves, when we're laying bricks, when we're meeting clients. We can believe that, you know, let's get to the work that's produced by faith and expect God to rock up and reach out, step out in faith to allow God to move. Work produced by faith. Where's the work to do that's produced by faith in your life? It's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by what we can do, what we can see, but in faith of what God sees and what God can do. Then the second one, labor prompted by love. Doing what you do because of who you love, not doing what you do to be loved. I think this is a strong theme in the Bible and we see it multiple times. The why behind our action is never hidden from God. God always knows the why. God always sees the heart. I love the, the story of the widow with one coin as she goes to the, the temple to give. And there was a rich guy with many coins. And I'm sure it was a sacrifice. I don't think it was chump change to him. He came in to make a sacrifice. But when he walked into the temple and had a whole heap to give, and he gives it all, he, he didn't do it because he was so in love with Jesus and transformed by God's love for him. But he walks in and gives because he wants to be loved by everyone around him. He did it for attention. He did it for himself. But when the widow walks in to the temple, God's temple, and she gives one little coin. The, the, the look of giving one little petty coin, what it could have been seen by others, doesn't look great. But she's acting out of love. She's prompted by love. I'm going to give everything I have to you, God, in, in your temple. When we're, when we're our labor and what we're doing is prompted by love. It's when we're living out of deep conviction. The Holy Spirit can work in and through us. And it's attractive. The Holy Spirit is attractive. Look at King David, he would dance naked in the streets and even his wife was like, what the heck are you doing? I'm sure any wife or any husband would say, what the heck are you doing? But he was there, he's just out of love, he's prompted for love for God, running, chasing God. We're called as Christians with deep convictions, Holy Spirit led to, to labor out of love. Love, and, and, and I want to encourage you, if you are laboring, if you're even on teams and it's to, to, to please someone, or to gain love by people around you. I want to encourage you to take time to position your heart. Understand, hey, like <laughs> what we do is a response out of God's love for us and what he did for us. And when we position our hearts and we're prompted by love, that's when things are going to affect change. The Holy Spirit's moving and doing work. And the last thing is endurance inspired by hope. I'm reading a Will Smith book at the moment. He says something, he's talking sort of about God, but he says, hope is the elixir that gets you through the darkness. And we sing songs. We sing songs and we sing that, you know, Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he's a good, good father. Uh, he's on the throne. And these aren't just lyrics. This is our hope. We're singing that our hope in Jesus Christ, that he's on the throne, that he has authority, that he's in control. He's a good, good father and he cares for us. When our hope is in Jesus, when our hope is in God, that, that we can trust him with our lives, that one James will be happy when we go through hardship because we trust God's working when we don't see it, when we don't feel it. God's working when our hope is in him, that produces endurance, endurance in our lives. In high school, I'll never forget it. For the rest of my life, I know I'll never forget this. A girl came up to me and 
Um, people knew that I had a, a bit going on uh, in my personal life with my family and it was a bit chaotic, but I just had this supernatural hope and endurance in my life. I, I didn't let it get me down. It didn't affect me. And I remember a girl coming up to me and she goes, it's unfair. You're, you're, you're too happy. You're always happy and it's unfair. I just remember that moment. I, I, I didn't catch it in the moment and, and should have been able to talk about God. But later on, I reflected on it. I'm like, oh, like, man, the Holy Spirit's attractive in our lives. And that alone, when we're pursuing him and having our hope in him, it's, it is unfair. But when we grab that and we believe it and we put our hope in and trust that, yes, Jesus is Lord. He's in control. He's a good, good father that produces endurance in our lives that is supernatural. And now with the time I've got left, I want to look at another aspect of chapter 1, um, that, which I think is sort of a result, a result of living this way. So in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. The Lord's message ran out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, maybe, could be wrong. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. So we're called to go and spread the gospel, but the Holy Spirit is also attractive. We're a city on a hill, and a city on a hill is seen, and it's lit up, and it's hard to hide. And when we live out lives with deep conviction and filled with the Holy Spirit, that alone is attractive. That alone is attractive and will draw people in. We're called to go out and give this message of hope. We have a church, a core value to live out everything through a lens of faith, hope, and love. They're the three things, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. When we share that to the world, that's, that's what's missing. That's how Paul can identify church. They're filled with faith and hope and love. The world needs faith and hope and love. And, and yes, there's an aspect of us um, spreading the gospel, but also we've got to make sure that that's how we're living. When our life is living that way, that speaks multitudes. That spreads across so that Paul and Silas, when they're preaching the gospel, trying to convert people, that the message of people just seeing the Thessalonica church living a different life changed. They don't even need to say anything anymore because people know that what God does in people's lives through how we live our lives. So I want to encourage us that we can get behind, uh, live, uh, I love the way Andrew set it up, live uh, like the Thessalonica church with deep conviction, filled, led by the Holy Spirit and, and we, we spread the gospel when we have vision that is beyond us. We have faith to believe God will turn up in our lives and take steps and live by faith, not by sight. When we're laboring out of joy and selflessness and out of, a, out of love in response to God loving us. And when we have endurance that's supernatural because it's inspired by our hope in Jesus, we have our, our trust and hope in Jesus is on the throne. He's a good father and he has our back. That alone is going to preach the gospel to people. And that as we go and we go to communicate and share with people in our community, oh, they already know. We don't need to say much. Oh, you're from that church. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know the difference. Filled with faith, hope, and love. Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll get on with it. Uh, dear Lord God, thank you for the opportunity to come together today, to come around your word. And um, God, I just pray for your Holy Spirit. Um, and Lord God, for your Holy Spirit convicts us. So we just pray for your Holy Spirit to convict us. And Lord God, uh, guide us, lead us, and work in and through us, Lord God, through our weeks. That there's people in our lives that, that are looking at it, that have no faith, no hope, no love. And 
We just pray, Lord God, that you use us. Use us as your church, to be your church, to be your people, Lord God, to our community and, and be able to support things like Brucey and what, what our church is a part of globally. We just thank you so much for what we are a part of, what we get to do. And, um, and lastly, God, I pray that you, that you convict us and remind us of your love and your greatness to help us do everything that we do out of uh, a reaction to your love, Lord God, that our labor uh, is, Lord God, produced by your love. It's prompted by your love for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.